some major important things that we want to talk about. Last week we talked about faith. Faith is a major thing that we need. We need faith, for by grace we are saved through faith, and not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But today we're going to talk about love, and as a matter of fact, we're probably going to talk about love maybe for the, first, for the next couple of weeks. Because love is a huge subject, and we want to think that love is a simple subject. But love is not a simple subject, amen? There is multifaceted, love is multifaceted in many different avenues, in many different directions. And uh, the Bible talks a great deal about love. And there's so many aspects about love. God says that God is love. It talks about, uh, and if you get into the Greek, there are five different words for love if you're in the Greek. Uh, but we're not in the Greek, we're in the English. But each of those five Greek words have a different layer and a different intensity of love. And so we'll, we may even talk about some of those Greek words, and because uh, one of those Greek words is the ultimate or the altruistic love, which is agape. And agape love is the ultimate; it's the pinnacle of all loves. And this is the love only God can show. And so, but it's amazing how if agape love is the only only God can show agape love, it's amazing when we get into the study how. Christ says that we should love agape one another. Well, if agape love is only obtainable by God, how can we as humans show agape love? Well, it's because we cannot show agape love unless Jesus Christ is working in us and we have a great relationship with the Heavenly Father. And so we're going to talk, we're going to spend a couple weeks talking about love. And uh, Jesus spent a lot of time talking about love. And as a matter of fact, on one given, given occasion where we're going to start today, uh, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandments in the Bible? What, what is the pinnacle? What is the, the most important out of all the commandments? What is the most important commandments? And, he's, and we're going to read his answer. Uh, so turn with me, if you're, hopefully you're there in Matthew 22. We're going to start reading in verse 34, going through verse 40. So Matthew 22, starting in verse 34, it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and prophets hang on these two commandments. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you, Father, for your blessings. We ask, Lord, that you would open our ears, our hearts, and our minds so that we may hear your message this morning and put it to use in our life. Lord, may we hear from you. May your spirit descend in this place and fill this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This story of the, this question can also be read in Mark and it can also be read in Luke. I kind of like the, the one in Luke because it, it actually gives you a bigger picture. A gentleman comes, and after Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, and, and I love how it says, an expert in the law. This man knew his scriptures. He was a teacher. He was not only a lawyer, but he was probably the one like a, like a Harvard lawyer. He came to ask Jesus. And when, in one of the other Gospels, you kind of see a bigger picture. He says, Master, uh, what is the greatest commandment? And instead of just answering them like we get in Matthew, we, you know, we get the question and then we get the answer. Jesus actually does what Jesus does the best. He answers a question with a question. 
actually turns it back onto this man. Well, how do you interpret the law? Meaning, there are many different ways to interpret the law. Jesus wanted to know how this man interpreted the law to see if his priorities were right, if his priorities were straight. And the man actually replied to him, Love the Lord your God. And then Jesus commended him in saying, You answered correctly. And then after that, you can continue to, to read about the gentleman who wanted to kind of justify himself a little bit. You know, he's kind of getting a big head. And then Jesus kind of put him in place or humbled him. But Jesus asked this man what the, his interpretation was. And, of course, this was the answer. And Jesus reaffirmed the answer. And went so far as to say that the, all the law and the prophets hang, hang or hinge on these two commandments. Now, these aren't new commandments. These aren't. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I, I can recite all ten commandments. And I can see where he gets the first one. Because that's the first one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt, um, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. Thou shalt not have any other God before me. Well, that can be translated as in, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I don't remember love your neighbor as yourself as one of the ten. Well, that's because the first four of the Ten Commandments deal with the first greatest, right? Love the Lord. And the other six talk about how you can love each other. How you love man. And that's where Jesus and this expert in the law get these answers. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I have a couple questions for you this morning. As we start into this uh, series or this look into love. Can you love God with all your heart but not love Him with all your mind or soul? Maybe. I mean, you could say you love Him. I mean, you could love the things He does for you, right? The fact that you have health, the fact that you have life, the fact that you have breath, the fact that you have the benefits of God, that He's given you material possessions. I guess you can love God for the things He does for you. Do you know anybody that might love God for the things that God does for Him or for them? I know a lot of people who love God for the things that they've done for Him, that He's done for them. But when I look in their life and how they think and how they act, well, I see no love of God. I mean, they give thanks to God. They may even say grace to God. Grace, thank you, dear Lord, for the food I'm about to eat, for the money that's in the bank. They may give Him acknowledgement. And then so far as to say, I love God. So it is possible to love God, but not know Him, not walk with Him, not have a relationship with Him. I know a lot of people who claim to have a love of God, but have no relationship with God. A lot of people have religion, but not relationship. Amen? That's kind of a love for God. They love the standards. They love the rules as long as it works for them. But when it gets down to the nuts and bolts, when it gets down to thinking and faith, their heart and their mind and their devotion don't add up. 
So is it possible to love God with your heart? Or love God maybe with just your mind, not your heart, or not your soul? I'd say yeah. I know a lot of people who have read the Bible backwards and forwards. They know the problem of the Bible better than I do. They know the, I mean, they're great Bible scholars. They have the knowledge. They have every right answer to every question. Yet you can tell in their life they really have no passion for God. They have no heart for God. They have no love for people. Have you ever met these kind of people? They're great intellectuals, but bad relationship people, right? I had a professor in seminary, and uh, his class was very hard. All, all the classes I had with him were very hard, because um, you never knew how to read him. He's the kind of man, I mean, he was so smart. He knew the Bible in such a mighty way that it was great to just sit under his teaching because you learned a, a whole bunch. But he was kind of dry, and his personality was kind of just even all the time. So if he was mad, you really didn't know it. Or if he was sad, you really didn't know it. Or if he was joyful, you really didn't know it because his, his emotion was the same. The expression on his face was the same, no matter what. And, and just to kind of clarify a little bit, I mean, there was a time, I remember sitting, the first time I took his class, sitting in his class, and uh, he said something, and it was kind of funny, a little bit. And about 30 seconds later, he goes, that was a joke. And you were like, oh, ha, 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 we didn't know. But he had to tell us that it was a joke. Because he had no emotion in his face. But I know several people who intellectually know God, know His Word, know His standard, but their heart has no love. James will go, go so far to say that you could speak in the tongues of angels and everything, but if you have not love, what? You're only a resounding gong. You can know everything about God, but if you don't have love, it's worthless. It's meaningless, because God is love. So can you love, uh, can you love God with, uh, or not love God with your heart, not love God with your mind, but love Him with your soul? I don't think so at all. You cannot say that your core being, everything about you, which your soul encompasses, is your, the real you. Because I believe that this body is just an outer shell. That the person I truly am is not represented by the outer appearance. But who I am inside. My soul is the real me. The real person. But if you don't know how to love with your heart, and if you don't know how to love with your mind, there's no possible way you can love with your soul. So what do you have to do? You've got to realize that all three of these work in unison. You have to have the first two if you want the third one. You've got to love Him with all your heart and with all your mind. Because if you don't love Him with your mind, you're not going to walk in faith. 
You're not going to truly accept the grace that God gives. You're going to question everything that comes your way. Why, God? Why are you doing this? Instead of saying, I trust you, God. No matter what you lead me in, I know you're there and you'll see me through it. Because see, if you just love with your heart, and you don't realize that God is with you and that He's faithful and true in everything He does, you're going you're to one day wake up and you're going to realize, and you may even heard people, and I, I'd hate to, for you to be one of these people, that says, I just, I just fell out of love with God. Some people call it losing faith. Have you ever heard of these terms? I don't love God anymore. I've just lost faith. Well, if you try to love with mind, without, uh, with, with heart without mind, you'll lose faith. If you try to love with just mind without heart, you'll lose faith. They have to be working simultaneously together. See, the first one, the greatest one, you have to have that before you can do the second. And so we're going to talk about the second one some other time. We're just going to talk about the greatest today. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and with all your strength. So how do you love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, you've got to get into His Word for one. You've got to realize that just saying that you accept Jesus' forgiveness, there's a change that needs to be made as well. True repentance does not, does not come by word only. Amen? Let me try that again. True repentance does not come by word only. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll listen to my commands? No. You'll obey my commands. Obedience comes with action. Obedience shows us your love for God. Jesus would say, you will know my disciples by the way they love one another. Well, so how are you supposed to treat each other? If you don't know God's Word, you're not going to know how to treat one another. If you don't know God's Word, you're not going to know how to love God. If you don't know God's Word, it's impossible to love God because you don't know who God is. Because love is a relationship, not a religion. You don't have... A love, and I know a lot of people say, I love my car. Some of you might even say, I love my car. I love my truck. You can't love your truck. Because your truck cannot love you back. Right? You can't. You can't love your job because your job can't love you back. But you can love your Savior because guess what? He loves you back. Love is something that is reserved for a relationship. Now you can have little love or you can have great love. Little love. You just meet somebody on the street, new person, never met before in their life. They're a great person. You like, you get to talk to, you know, you, you, you get to talking with them. And when you leave that conversation, you walk away going, you know, that was a good conversation. You know, I, I kind of like that guy. It's a little bit of love. Great love. You walk the aisle, you say I do to a person and commit your whole life to that person. You live with them for 60 plus years and no matter what you've done, no matter what they've done, you still love each other no matter what. 
no matter what comes. That is great love. See, there's a great spectrum of love here. But love, true love, only happens between two people. Two people who are able to love. Why is John 3.16 such a great and mighty verse? Because it is such a wonderful verse that shows us just how much God loves us. For God so loved the world, that's me and you, that He gave His only begotten Son, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He was not willing to spare His Son so that you and I can have a relationship with Him. Now, I want to say that is great love. Amen. This is how much He values our relationship. The greater the, the, greater the love depends on the, great, the, the higher value you put on the relationship. Does that make sense? How you value that relationship, that's how much love you're going to put into it. You put in a lot of love with the relationship between you and your wife or you and your spouse. Because you spend time with each other, you spend money on each other, you spend uh, your energy on one another. You are committed to each other. That's why I always tell people, you know, my priorities, and some of you may disagree with me on my priority list, but my priorities are always God first and above all. Then my family. Then my job or work or whatever. Then others. Then myself. That's my priority list. And I live according to that, those priorities. When I serve God, I serve God all wholeheartedly. And sometimes I have to tell my wife and my family, I'm sorry, God wants me to do this. I'm not going to be able to do that for you. I'm not going to be able to, you know, if I know it's something God wants me to do, Family, even my wife, takes a back seat to what God wants me to do. Now realize, God and the church are not the same. God and church are not the same. Because church is not a building, and it's not God. Church is the people. My family. Now, a lot of my church family is I consider family. And I would drop anything. Except for God. For my family. Then, everything else falls in line after that. If you put anything before God, that is your God. If you value something more than your relationship with Jesus, that is your God. If you would say, well, I'll even, I'll even you know, give up my Bible study reading, I'll give up my prayer time, I'll give up my, the things that build my relationship with God, I'm willing to give those up for this person or for this thing or for that thing. Guess what? That thing or that person just became your God. Because you value those things more than you value your relationship with Jesus. Isn't it? So whatever you value the most in your life, that is your God. That's your greatest love. And Jesus says, your greatest love should be God. I love the Old Testament. I love the picture that it gives of the Israelites. Because unlike here in America, 
Americans, we love to work. We love to work. So I, I can probably say, we worship work. The Israelites, they worked to worship. There's a difference. Day one through day six, they worked so that on day seven they had something to bring to God. But we will give up the time with God so that we can take and go spend time at work. It's what we do. Do you see the comparison? We are to work so that we can worship. Because our work should be part of our worship. But our worship shouldn't be work. Amen? We should love it. It should be the thing we worship. Uh, we, we look forward to every single week. Coming to worship. Can you say that today? Can you say that that's the love, the value you have on the relationship of you and God? That the days that you get to worship are the most exciting and the most look forward to days of your life, of your week? Because worship doesn't happen just here, guys. Worship should happen every step, everywhere you are, everywhere you go. But when you come together as fellow believers, when we get together as a group of Christians, guess what? I I don't know about you, but what do you call it when you invite all your family and all your friends to a certain location just to spend time together? What What do you call it? Huh? A reunion or a party, right? Do you usually have fun at reunions and parties? Oh, come on. Do you usually have fun at reunions? <laughs> Some of you must not like your families very much. Some of you must not like your or love your families very much. You're going, hey, yeah. Do you usually have fun at reunions and parties? Well, when we as Christians get together, it's a gathering. It's supposed to be a party. It's supposed to be corporate worship. We're to have fun fun together. We are to praise God together. We are to lift and glorify the name of Jesus Christ to the highest bit, to the highest heavens, that the angels in heaven, that when we sing, when we worship, everything that we do, God says, shh, 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 my children are worshiping me. That He hushes the angels so that He can hear us. Because that's how much He loves us. But is that how much we're loving Him? We come together for a party to worship and praise God. For great is the love of God for us, and great should be our love for God. Higher than anything else. We should value it. And nothing, nothing, should come before it. Is that how much you value it? Or are you saying, you know, worshiping God, being with God's people, eh, I could live without it. Something wrong. 
There's something wrong. Let us pray. Lord God, I love You. I praise You and I thank You for all Your blessings. I thank You that the greatest love that You had for us was shown to us on the cross of Jesus Christ as He hung there and died and as He rose from the grave three days later. That You did not, you did not spare Him, but You sacrificed Him because You loved us and the relationship with us that much. Lord, may we love You that much. Maybe we be willing to commit ourselves to You, commit our lives to You. May we look forward to the days we worship You and getting the chance to worship You because it's a great privilege, Father. May we not take for granted Your great love for us. Lord, I pray for everyone that is here this morning. Help us rekindle the passion in our hearts and get our hearts and our minds in sync with your will so that we can truly love you. Lord, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name.